Welcome to the Kosafa Show with Mark Gleason and Nick Said. Welcome to this episode of the Kasafa Show in the middle of an exciting set of Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers that will determine the final field of 2014s for the Continental Showpiece, which takes place in Cameroon early next year. We will be speaking to the Mozambique coach, Lubish Gonzalez, about his team's chances later on. We'll also hear about an exciting new initiative from Kasafa aimed at upskilling women in football. But first, we have an interview with Banyana Banyana striker Temi Khatlana, who has been in hot form in Spain this season at Ibar. The former CAF Women's Football of the Year reveals all about her time in the United States, China, and Portugal before this latest move and her lofty ambitions for the future. You seem to have settled very well at Ibar. Is that fair to say? Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think you can say that because results don't lie. You know, and each each match, um, I'm I'm more confident, more focused, more ready, and and willing to play. And it shows that even though there's a pandemic, um, I'm always focused, and I chase and go for what I want. And uh, being a team player is something that I've always been wanting to grow as part of my game. And for me, it's not just the goals that I score, but being more of a team player, the assists that I get, the crucial penalties that um, I force to get, you know, results for the club. And for me, it's, you know, I'm, I'm taking that aspect of being a team player slowly but surely. Yeah, and how do you kind of compare the standard? You've played in the US and China as well, uh, two big leagues in, in women's football. How do you compare the standard of Spain with those? I think the standard of Spain is more about technique and more about uh, intelligence. So um, I've been in the US, it's a bit of both as well. Technique, uh, the experience in, in the US because about 80 to 90% of their, the girls that play for the US national team play in within the NWSL. So it makes it one of the strongest leagues in the world with a lot of experience from the girls that they bring from the national team, uh, a lot of technique, a lot of videos. So it's just, I think in the US, more of everything involved. And we know that women's football is growing and changing. So I also went to China, more or less on that. A lot of uh, physicality as well. And then coming to Europe, I think they're focusing more on technique and more on intelligence, football intelligence on and off the pitch, you know, to become a better player, knowing how to tackle situations when you find yourself under pressure. And I think playing my first season in Europe with Benfica and then coming here in Aiba is, is really, you know, growing my profile of understanding the difference between the league in the US and China and in Europe. And obviously you've got, I mean, wherever you've been before, you've got, you've had South Africans. Uh, now you've got again, Noko there. It must be nice having a, a familiar face and someone you know so well from the national team. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, coming to Europe alone is, is never easy because there's a culture difference, there's a language, um, food, a lot of things. There's a lot of aspects, you know, you're open to new experiences. And if you are not open to these experiences coming from South Africa, it might be a, a bit challenging or tough, especially mentally and psychologically because you're alone. But, you know, I'm grateful that from the start of me being a professional footballer, I've always been with someone next to me, you know, to 
to be a friend, to be a teammate, to guide me, to motivate me. And in 2018, um, I was fortunate enough to be in the same team with Linda Motalo and Janine in, in Houston. And I think that went a long way into creating a safe space for me to be alone. Um, I went to China with Linda and I went to Benfica and I was alone. So for me, it was not that difficult to adjust in Benfica because previously I've I've been in teams where I've had teammates and I know what it means to go through certain things emotionally, psychologically and mentally. And to have Nuku here with me in Aba, I don't think it's difficult, but it makes my stay here more pleasant and enjoyable because we can be friends and teammates on and off the field. And then if we can just go through your various clubs. You you spoke uh, earlier about uh, the style of the league in the US, but your stay at Dash, I don't know if you remember, I came over and interviewed uh, the three of you there in Houston. Mm-hmm. Just what, what did you get out out of that stay uh it was a year but um how did it improve you as a player do you think i think being in dash it will always be a year for me that as a professional player i must say was really difficult because being in south africa i mean most of the coaches know me they know what i can do uh and getting game time for me was easier back home and moving to dash for me was my first professional contract, a bit difficult, you know, to have to work hard and fight for like more than two to three months to get into the starting lineup. So for me, going to Dash has made me grow in a lot of aspects on and off the pitch as an individual, you know, my character of, of patience, uh, my character of resilience and working hard and always being ready. I think if I focused more on the fact that I was not playing in Dash and focused on having a negative attitude, I don't think I would have um, achieved what I've achieved today mentally because staying off and not playing is difficult for any player of any caliber. And I think one thing I did different by being on the bench while playing at Dash was being positive and hoping that one day my time will come for me to join the team. And I always looked up to that time. So I was more motivated even through the difficult times that if ever I had to be called up to be in the starting 11, I want to be ready. And for me, that was really uncomfortable training and working hard for something that you don't know when it will come. And I think that has grown me as a player on the pitch and off the pitch, because even off the pitch, it helped me a lot to be mentally and emotionally ready when I moved to China. I was more open to the the Chinese people, the different things they do, because I knew that I wouldn't find what I found in Houston or what I found in South Africa and China. So for me, it was more about having a strong mind and accepting that being in China is going to be different than when I'm in anywhere else in the world. And I think that's the kind of character uh, that... Cash has has built or helped me build to be the player that I am today. And then if we just talk about your your stay in Beijing, then maybe maybe more from a football perspective or, or a cultural perspective as well. How you know that was then a year later. You say you you had those experiences at Dash. What did you get out of that uh, that time in Beijing? Yeah, I mean Beijing was also a different experience to Dash. Like I said, Dash prepared me mentally and emotionally, and I think Beijing prepared me physically. Uh, I was six hours ahead of time and I think it took me three months to adjust uh, to say that every time I wake up I won't be 
in touch with my family and with my friends. It, it took time for me to adjust really uh, to the time zone of Beijing. But physically, it also helped me to grow as a player because then in that time, I got more time to go to the gym, more time to work on myself because sometimes you go to training and you want to talk to your family and your head is everywhere. But I think physically being in Beijing helped me because of the time difference. I was able to focus more on myself as a player than to be, you know, too engaged with my family and my friends. So I had time to train and time to do whatever that I wanted to do as a footballer. And I also had time to be a friend, to be a daughter to my parents, to be there, you know, uh, for the people that wanted to talk to me. So I think it really helped me to separate my life as a footballer in my life as, uh, as just a normal person. And then you, you went to Benfica. It, it was a, a kind of a, a brief stay in a way, but not nothing to do with you. It was to do with COVID. And I know there was the, the salary caps came and there was restrictions, et cetera. But what mm-hmm. did you take out of that 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 sort of stay in, in Portugal? What, what did that give you? I think the stay in Portugal for me was more about nothing is guaranteed. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got there, everything looked so bright, everything looked positive. I was ambitious, you know, I was going, I was going to want to play and finish the league. Uh, when I got there, Benfica was number one in the league and they had a lot of things that they were supposed to win, like the league, the Tasa de Liga, uh, Portuguese Cup. There were there were a lot of silverware to be taken. But as soon as I got there and on my third match, COVID came. So it was not guaranteed that Benfica now will win that. And it was not guaranteed that I will have more time to play. The salary cap came on and, you know, a lot of things just moved and shift around. And I think I appreciate the process because then it made me to be open to the things that evolve or revolve around me. You know, sometimes you want to put goals for yourself. You want to do certain things. But as soon as the death shift that doesn't go according to what you want to do, you always need to be open to the new way that you're going to to take, even though it's going to be challenging, even though you don't know what will the outcome be. And I think that's what taught me about being in Benfica, that nothing is guaranteed. You can plan this, but you also need to be open to when things don't go your way. What are you going to do or how then are you going to react and handle the situation that is in front of you? How did the opportunity come with Ibar? And, and when you heard about it or when you were told about it, what was your reaction? Did you sort of immediately feel this is something I, I want to go. This is a place I want to play football. For me, I've I've never been so strict or critical about where I go as a footballer. For me, it's always been about opportunities. Mm-hmm. So coming to Iba for me, it was more about an opportunity than anything. Uh, also looking at the fact that the pandemic was still, you know, growing everywhere else in, in Europe and in the world. And like I said, nothing was guaranteed at that time. So what I told myself is if I ever choose the option to go back in South Africa, I wouldn't know when will I have a chance to be able to come out and come to Europe or wherever I would have landed. So for me, it was more about the opportunity of staying in Europe and continue playing and being fit, you know, and doing what I do best, which is play football. Because if had I chosen the option to go back to South Africa, we, we, we know that South Africa had the longest lockdown. A lot of things would have affected me or been different in that manner that I was not going to go out and train and be as fit as I would be if I was in a team. So my agent and I opted that we stay in Europe, you know. So Ava 
created the opportunity for me to have a club to train and to be fit, and I went for it. And um, now, yeah, I mean, you've arguably been South Africa's male or female most successful international football of recent times. If you think about, you know, winning the the African Women's Football of the Year, silver medal of the Afcon, so close to a gold. Uh, you know, playing in the best leagues in the world and the US and whatnot. What sort of is your ambition from here? If you were to look two, three, four years ahead, where where would you like to be? To be honest, like I, I do have personal goals, uh, but I just don't like sharing my personal goals with everyone because at the end of the day, I feel like when I share them with people and I don't get to get to those goals uh, before I retire, it would be so much pressure on me daily. Yeah, sure. So what I do is I have personal goals that I set for myself. And I, I think that something that is that drives me actually each and every day but if I had to mention some of those goals it would be playing UEFA Champions League not just taking a part in UEFA Champions League but being there being consistent you know challenging for trophies being in the top eight and that means that I have to work hard to get into a good club that is consistently playing in the Champions League and that means it's a lot of work for me each and every day for any team that I play for you understand so that I may be able to get to that level to play Champions League, to be competitive. I think one other thing is also to be in in the FIFA Awards. Hmm. Either. It it doesn't have to be specific, you know. For me, before I retire, I would love to be or to win a FIFA Award. And I think the best one would be winning Ballon d'Or. I know it's far-fetched, but I know it's possible if I put my mind to it and work hard, of course, by getting into the right clubs, you know, being more professional, having a lot of resources um, on my hands to be able to become a better player each day. And like I say, I know it's far-fetched, but it's possible. I mean, in my world, anything is possible as long as I put my mind to it. And I think slowly by surely, I can say that each year or each time I play for a team, there's something that I get to take that's getting me closer to my goals. And I guess one of those would be perhaps uh, participating at the 2023 World Cup. So you must be eager to get back into action with Banyana. Banyana, whenever that might be, obviously we, we hope it's sooner rather than later. But have you... Missed wearing the national jersey? Yeah, <laughs> I, I I have missed wearing the national jersey. The last time I wore it was two years ago when I scored my first or the only goal for South Africa at a World Cup. So to have that memory stick with me, I think it also drives me to be eager to wear the national jersey because we still have to qualify for AFCON. We still have to qualify for the World Cup. And now that there's going to be more teams playing in the World Cup gives us you know, a lot of encouragement to say, it's possible to go back to the World Cup again. And this time it's going to be in Australia. So like I say, if there's a possibility or the probability of anything that's going to to be positive, I'm going to put my whole energy there. And we can see that uh, KF couldn't do anything to help the girls play Afcon last year. It's gone. I mean, we can't be dwelling on the past and focusing that we, we didn't play, but we need to focus on the next AFCON that's coming, you know, and use that opportunity for us to qualify for the World Cup. And I mean, it's it's going to take a lot uh, for the South African team because we haven't been together in, in a long time. But I'm glad that a lot of players, even though it's been Corona, I mean, even though it's been the pandemic, they've signed a lot of contracts overseas. That means a lot of the Banyana players are in constant move. They're training, they are playing, they are getting good knowledge about football. They are growing as players. So I don't think it will be difficult for us to come together and 
you know, start off from where we left the last time we were together. I know it's going to be a huge mountain to climb, but like I said, with the ambition of the girls and with what we wanted to achieve, it's going to be good. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to the World Cup again? Mozambique lost in Rwanda on Wednesday, but still have an excellent chance to qualify for the Africa Cup of Nations finals if they can get a home win against the Cape Verde on Tuesday in Maputo. A draw would also be enough if Cameroon do them a favour and beat Rwanda and the Cape Verde in their final two games. We spoke to the Mamba's coach, Luis Gonzalez, about his team's prospects and about the current state of football in Mozambique. Often uh, I, I speak with the players. Everybody is, uh, is with the, the same the same purpose, with the same objectives. We are with the same goal. We know that that's our chance and uh, not easy matches, but it's our chance to, to go to the Africa. We have to be focused on our target. You know, Cabo Verde is different because they, they changed the coach. It's another coach. They are playing a little bit different, but they have many, many players with uh, value. But uh, we're going to receive them in our our country, in Maputo. And I believe we have our chances, but uh, always respecting. We have to respect the, the opponents, uh, and they they are uh, they, they they have their chances uh, also. <laughs> we have to be very strong. We need to be very focused in our goal, our target, and uh, there's the, the the team spirit uh, must prevail. You know, the team spirit must prevail. It's very important. Uh, Mozambique, Mozambican football right now is in crisis because we don't have the league rolling. The, I have, uh, uh, I can say, seven, eight players that play in the, in the league and they are in national teams. So uh, we are studying uh, how can we can we solve all this, this question. I proposed an internship to do, and uh, but it, it wasn't possible. So the players are stopped right now. I believe we can make it with the hard work and the... Uh, First of all, with the, the team spirit. The, the team spirit for me is the key. And do you, are you worried that there might be some problems as well with players coming from from Portugal, for example? Will, you, you yes, yes, yes. Uh, we are we are always aware in studying and uh, communicating with the players and the, the see what happens in that countries in those countries. But uh, I believe we can we can have the players. I believe we can have the players because we have good relations with the clubs. The players, they want to come. They want to come because they know some of them, few of them, they know maybe it's the last chance to go to a competition like this. So and this, this too much is they are very important because it's the qualification. And have you have you discovered any new players um, in the diaspora? I saw in the under twenties they have a boy with an Italian. Yes. Did you did you discover as well for the senior team? Yes, yes. Uh, that player, that player that you mentioned, Lorenzoni, uh, it's not the only one because we know we we knew them before because we have a, a, a work. We we are working to campaign to to see how the, the discover and to see the evolution of the players. You know, so we have a few players, but uh, sometimes we have problems because it's take a long time to have the players. 
uh, available to the national team. We have some players that uh, they are son of a father or, or mother, Mozambican mother or Mozambican father, but uh, we are working to get them, to have them available to the national team. But sometimes it takes many time. It's a long time too. <laughs> but uh, I discovered, yes, we are always searching. We are always searching. Sometimes we have... Uh, Uh, false alert. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you have a false alert. Ah, this player, he can be, he can represent the national team. We're gonna see, we're gonna search, and we discover it's not true. But uh, we have many players in our radar. Radar, yes. you know. Yes, yes. We have all, all. We are always, always searching. Can I ask you also the, from the under 20s? Uh, I mean, the mm -hmm. went to Mauritania now. Did you see anything special there? Yes, they, they have good players. The result Results aren't good, but, but they won the Kozafa Cup. They and they have a few players that I knew before because we are always uh, always attempt with them. And uh, yes, we have uh, uh, Cipriano is a very good striker. Simon Cipriano is he, young. He's young. He's under 18 wow. yet. And uh, uh, the goalkeeper is is young also. Kimis uh, Zavala. And he's very good goalkeeper, but uh, we are uh, always working. Uh, Lorenzoni, uh, for example, Gabriel Pinho, Gabi Pinho, he plays in Portugal. Mm. We know them, we know them. Normally, I, I, I spoke with the under-20 national coach and uh, the technical director, and we are working together. So, if I believe they can be good for national team, why not? Why not? Mm. Why not? I, I don't have the problems to put uh, young players playing, as you know. We are joined now by Kasafa General Secretary Sude Tome to chat about an exciting new initiative that seeks to empower women in leadership positions across the Southern African region. The Women's Leadership Program will be launched on Wednesday, the 31st of March, and will see around 40 participants involved in sports administration from across the Southern African region on the course that will run through till August. Sue, thanks for your time. Can you tell us more about how this initiative came about? Um, yes. Uh, good morning, uh, Mark and, uh, and Nick. Um, it came about uh, when we were approached by the Foundation uh, for Sport Equity, which uh, is um, is a, 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 a foundation which is registered in the Netherlands. Um, and the CEO is is a lady uh, who previously worked with uh, with FIFA in the education department. And she reached out to say, "We've set up this foundation, which uh, you know has is an NGO. Um, it's it's about you know." In, in, um, empowering and providing uh, I mean their mission is is basically to foster a sustainable sports ecosystem through equity diversity uh, business innovation technology digital transformation etc and um, uh, they you knowing knowing us um, uh, at you know in Kasafa and myself and uh, Fran Hilton Smith in particular uh, reached out to us to say uh, what about doing something in Africa and uh, so obviously my uh, my response to that is well uh, Uh, let's let's tackle Southern Africa and the Kasafa region in particular, and um, and start this as a pilot project, and uh, and then we can see you know where it uh, where it leads to to from then, um, with a view to possibly rolling it out you know to to our sister zones uh, in due course. And can you just give an idea of the 
the format of the of the program. I know it runs over, uh, I think there's around 13 or 14 weeks right up until August, but, but how is it all laid out? Yes, Nick. Um, the program, which is called the Safa Women Leadership Program, uh, kicks off on the 6th of April and, and will run uh, until the 10th of August. And uh, thereafter, we will have a, a final sort of prize giving on the 24th of August. Um, the program basically has three core pillars. Um, the first one being leadership development learning journey, coupled with football business, legal and development topics. So this is giving them really... Uh, starting with building, you know, building up one's own um, inner access or confidence that I think everybody needs in order to really meaningfully take a seat at the table. Um, and then um, putting the football side of things uh, in, into context as to where does a club fit in in relation to FIFA and uh, a governance uh, and that type of issue. Then uh, the, the second core would be personal football business projects um, where each participant will work on, they will choose she will choose her own topic um, to which ultimately will further the state of football in uh, in in the participants member association or club or league you know, wherever um, she's uh, currently working. And then um, the third pillar is about mentoring, the the, the, the mentorship of the participants by um, one of our uh, experts or our, our um, mentors who, who can take the, the participants through, not only through this period of the program, but going into the future as well. We've recently seen Kanizat Ibrahim from the Camors elected as a vice president of CAF. How important do you think that? That step is in terms of opening doors for more women to hire office in African football. I think it's a fantastic step forward. Not that we don't um, already uh, have, you know, some some powerful uh, women in in football in their respective associations, um, and we've for many years seen um, the likes of uh, Lydia Sakera from from Burundi, who has um, been a member of the of the FIFA Council, I think, for the past eight years, and has consequently um, sat on the on the CAF executive. Uh, we've had uh, Aisha uh, Johansson, who's uh, president of Sierra Leone. Federation, and then you know various uh, um, ladies in their national associations as vice presidents, etc. So you know there, there's a lot of leadership there. But the fact that a woman not only sits on the CAF executive in her own right, but is a vice president. And the fact that that lady happens to come from the Kasafa region, um, I think, speaks volumes. And uh, we have high expectation for Madame Kaniza. And um, I think this is quite relevant in, in terms of the timing, you know, of, of the launch of our program uh, versus the um, election of uh, uh, Madame Kaniza in terms of uh, motivation for, for women across the continent. That's it for another episode of the Kasafa Show. We wish all our Southern African nations competing in the Cup of Nations qualifiers the very best of luck in the coming days. Don't forget you can listen to more of our podcasts on Sokoladuma Radio, Kasafa.tv, Spotify, and iTunes. And you can also get the latest news via our website at www.kasafa.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Goodbye. Goodbye.